Meanwhile in the Future. I'm Rose and I'm your host. Meanwhile in the Future is a podcast about the future. Every week we tackle a specific possible future and try to really overthink how that might happen and what would happen next. Every episode starts with a little trip into the future. So let's go there now. Today we're heading to the year 2039. There was a time, not so very long ago, when men clashed for sport. The game was football. A block by Riffenberg and Weisenberger smashes through the center of the SC line for a 14-yard game. And for a time, the the sport dominated American life. And then, everything changed. My son no longer remembers my name. He's 34. The fall began in Texas, the year 2021. Today, a judge in Texas awarded the family of Jackson McPhee, the high school boy who developed a degenerative brain disease, $70 million in damages. Schools across the country disbanded their teams. Goalposts were removed, stadia repurposed, pads retired. Today, we look upon football as a relic. In the museums that tell the story of our civilization lie many bloody artifacts. The helmets of the Colosseum, the blades of the swordsmen, the gloves of the boxers, and now the brains of the footballers. I knew there was some risk, but I didn't know. I just didn't really know. Football may be gone, swept away to history books, but its warnings will never be forgotten. And Coach Chrysler beams as his Wolverines win 49 to nothing. So in this future, contact sports have died out due to concerns over head injury, which means that the first thing we have to decide is which sports are the most dangerous. Which ones would we actually do away with? To answer that question, I called Dr. Kimberly Harmon. I've been on a football sideline for 30 years. Harmon is the head team physician at the University of Washington's football team, and she says that the most dangerous sports are probably not the sports you're thinking of. You would probably be surprised at the most risky sport, um, both from a catastrophic injury standpoint and just a concussion risk, um, and that's actually cheerleading. And part of that is because of the stunting they do. And in fact, because it's so dangerous, most of the NCAA medical claims are being paid out for cheerleaders. If you're going to pick the five most dangerous in terms of both injuries and concussions, it would probably be stunt cheerleading, gymnastics, both men's and women's, men's and women's hockey, Uh, at football. And after that, sort of on the second tier comes soccer and lacrosse. But the sport that everyone thinks of when they think of head injury is probably football, the American kind. And there's a good reason. Even though many leagues have made rule changes to reduce the amount of injury, in football, every single play involves several giant humans smashing into several other giant humans. There's really no way to get around that. I hear this all the time from people. They talk about, well, football has a concussion problem. we got to address the concussion problem in football. That's bullshit. It, it doesn't have a concussion problem. It doesn't even have a violence problem, Rose. It has a physics and physiology problem. The physics are mass times acceleration equals force. 
and as players get bigger and stronger and faster, that force is greater, and then they have a physiology problem. The brain is a soft organ that's always going to be inside a hard shell. That's Steve Almond. He's the author of a book called Against Football, One Fan's Reluctant Manifesto. And put the emphasis on the reluctant so that people understand for all of my self-righteous blather that, like, I've got 40 years in as a fan, not just a fan, but a fan of the Oakland Raiders, which I think is a particularly odious sort of fan to be, or maybe just masochistic. Almond's book is a manifesto against football. And one of the big reasons Almond thinks that fans need to shun the sport is just how dangerous it is for its players. It's important for fans who are the sponsors of the game, who built the whole thing, to face that. The fact that we consume as a form of entertainment a game where we now know uh, 30% of their players are going to develop cognitive ailments, in other words, brain damage. So that's the most famous workplace in America, and uh, nearly a third of the employees are going to get brain damage. There's no other arena where we would find that acceptable, not even in the military, where the justification is they're protecting the homeland. What's our justification for football? It's really fun to watch. Almond comes back to that one-third number a lot. The number comes from a report compiled on behalf of the NFL by a team of actuaries as part of a lawsuit brought by 5,000 former players. These players allege that the league misled them about just how dangerous the game actually is. Now, the NFL disputed that one-third number immediately, saying that it's nowhere close to what they actually expect to happen to their players. In reality, no one really knows exactly how dangerous football is. But more and more data suggests that it's probably more dangerous than we once thought. And Allman says that he's actually surprised that that NFL report, the one that came up with the one-third number, wasn't a death blow to the NFL. To me, I, when I found out, honestly, Rose, I remember walking in to, to uh, the kitchen where my wife was and, and announcing this. I said, it's over. I said to my wife, I do not see how a business let alone the most famous workplace in America, can survive this. It's not tenable as a business plan. It's not tenable morally. People won't stand for it. And actually, people will stand for it. And the ratings were higher than ever. In fact, Harmon, who wrote the American Medical Society for Sports Medicine's position statement on concussion in sports, had not even heard of that one-third estimate. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to need to look up that article as well because that's um, alarming and not necessarily um, anything that I'm ever aware of. If a third of people are ending up brain damage, then it doesn't make much sense. Although I, I actually don't believe that. <laughs> but. Now, even if the one-third number is real, it would be really hard to outright ban an organization like the NFL. But a lot of football and other contact sports happen on public property at public schools or public universities using student fees and taxpayer money. And Allman says that it's worth asking whether or not that should be happening. He points to one study in which researchers tracked high school football players, some of whom had had concussions before and some of whom had not. And the terrifying thing is that the kids in the control group, kids, high school players who had never received a concussion, were showing diminished brain function as the season wore on to the point that a few of the kids showed no function in one of their frontal lobes by the end of the season. Now think about that. That's in a public high school. If it were any other cause of that kind of cognitive decline in a high school student for a gas leak in the cafeteria or you know, some contaminant in the water, how quickly would that school get shut down? How quickly would the media and lawyers and federal officials descend on that school? 
it would be within a matter of seconds. We would be tweeting and CNNing it. It's like, oh my God. But because it's football, we essentially say, well, boy, that's sort of sobering. And, and I wonder how many hundreds or thousands of people will show up on Friday night for that team's next game. And this is where both Almond and Harmon say that a change might actually be possible. Well, I, I mean, I think more likely than the sport being banned, it will become too expensive because of the potential liability. You know, um, if a school is getting sued every two seconds, they may choose not to have football because it's just too much of a liability risk, especially some of the smaller schools. So if parents or players decide that it's unethical to use taxpayer money to fund something like football at a school where, in theory, students are supposed to be learning, things might shift. But just outlawing football on public land or at public universities doesn't mean that football or the NFL would go away. In fact, Almond says that it almost certainly wouldn't. Ultimately, I think with football, because the risks are so great to the players, you could see a kind of awakening within the population of players where they're like, you know what, we're going to set up our own private league that's the developmental league for the NFL. And we're going to get paid. Why not just have a system where you say, you know what, there are a bunch of kids who we really in this culture only value for the entertainment that they might supply us by playing this thrilling, savage, beautiful game. And so let's just cut all the sanctimonious crap about rescuing those kids and giving them an education since we don't give a crap about their minds anyway in the first place. Why don't we just actually allow them to go through a kind of Spartan warrior training at the, you know, from whatever age they want to, keep it out of the schools, and people will just have to face that, that there are certain lives in this culture that we can Consider disposable or that we consider disposable enough that we're okay with just valuing them for playing, uh, you know, this, this brutal, dangerous uh, game and, and beautiful game. And you could envision that, that we might reach a point where that's the case. But would that end the NFL or would that just bring us a little bit closer to facing what we're consuming? And therefore, maybe certain fans would say, I'm actually not okay with that because that feels more like a weird plantation system. And I can't use that rationalization that kids are being rescued because, in fact, we're just preparing gladiators, essentially. The only thing that could actually make contact sports like football or hockey or lacrosse go away is if fans stopped watching. And even Almond admits that that's really hard to do. It's working against a very entrenched sense of football as not just an exciting, thrilling activity, but a patriotic, totally wholesome, all-American one. And anytime people start slinging around banning or getting rid of and so forth, you will hear the hue and cry of the nanny state and, oh my God, that's mind control and this is Orwell's 1984. It's really much more like Brave New World in the sense that we're all just sort of taking our soma tabs and happily watching this game and simply looking away from the inconvenient and painful truth that it destroys its players. It eats its players. For more on the risks and benefits of contact sports, debates about concussions, and information about what else might happen should football and the rest of the dangerous sports be banned, head to gizmodo.com, where, as usual, we'll provide a few more avenues of speculation. If you have thoughts about this future, you can leave them in the comments, or you can say hi to us on Twitter, where we're at MeanwhileFuture. If you have thoughts about possible futures that we should explore, you can leave those in the same places. Meanwhile in the Future is a podcast from Gizmodo. It's produced by me, Rose Eveleth, with the help of Annalie Newitz and the rest of the Gizmodo staff. 
The intro music is by Asura, and the outro music is by Broke for Free. Special thanks this week to Stephen Grenade, Kyla Hill-Stern, Jessica Miller, Darren Orff, and Sarah Werner. That's all for this future. Come back next week for a new one. <laughs>